Gemara Erubin has been sponsored by Mr. Isaac Jamal and his wife Celia for their success, for their children's success, health, happiness, beracha, parnasav, atzlaha, bechol maaseh yedehem. Daf Yud Chet. Today's daf has been sponsored by Mr. Eddie Barry Sit in honor of the birth of a baby girl, Hannah. May she bring much pleasure and pride to the family. May she be the mother of Bezat Hashem, many healthy children. Today's daf is also being dedicated and Avraham ben Amen. We begin today the second pedic of Masechet Erubim. The pedic's name is Osin Pasin. Now let's just give a brief introduction to the concepts that we're going to study in this chapter. As we learned earlier in the times of the uh, Beit HaMikdash, when they used to go up to Yerushalayim uh, three times a year on the holidays, they were called the Ole Regalim. And the Hachamim made a leniency for Ole Regalim in order for them to draw water from a well that was in the Rishut Rabim. The wells in those days were four tefahim wide at least and ten tefahim deep. So the well has the status of a Rishut Yahid. Now if they're going to draw the water up from the well and they're standing in the public domain, so now it's going to be considered taken from a Rishut Yahid to Rishut Rabim, which is Asur. <coughs> How are they going to give their animals water to drink? So the Hakamim said, <coughs> if they make an adjustment with Pasim, what are Pasim? So right away, if you look at your picture books, in picture 124, <coughs> it's a familiar picture, where you see the board in the middle, and you have four diumadim, those corner pieces, which are L-shaped pieces, that look like a, they come to a right angle, and they're placed on the four corners of the board, so that is considered walls. You see, each extension, or each diumad, has two walls. One going in one direction, one going the other direction. So those are considered walls, and therefore it makes the whole area enclosed, and therefore it's all considered a shoot hayahid. And therefore it is permissible to draw water for one's animals. And this concept is called Paseh Biraot. The Pasim are the adjustments, the Diyumadim, and Biraot is the Be'er. That's the well that they would draw the water from. Now, according to one opinion, as we're going to learn in the Mishnah, that's picture number 125, it's not enough to have just the diyumadim, but he also holds that you need pishutim. Pishutim are <coughs> flat boards that are placed in between the diyumadim, one on each side. So you need four diyumadim plus <coughs> four pishutim in between them. So that's the mahluk that we're going to see in the Mishnah as well. Furthermore, there is another uh, major principle that we're going to learn in this pedic, and that is a karpef shelo hukaf lidira. <coughs> Meaning, hachamim, uh, while they tell us if you have four walls, it's considered a shuti yahid. However, they made a deen that said, only if those walls are surrounding an area that is being used for residency meaning that's being used for people. However, a, an area that was walled, 
that is not being used for people or for residency. So that's called the karpef shelo kafledira. The rabbi said in such a case, you only have, uh, you can only uh, take an area like that that is bet satayim and wall it and be permissible to carry. Betzatayim, as we explained in the last pedic, is 5,000 square amma. <clears throat> so the rabbi said that if you have an area that's not walled for dwelling, so then you can only uh, wall an area of 5,000 square amma be permissible to carry. But anything that is more than 5,000 square amma, shalom kafledira, Hachamim gave it a din of a kadmelit, even if there's walls around it, and you would not be allowed to carry. Now, let's just review this bet uh, satayim that we mentioned. A bet se'ah, which is a field that is 50 by 50 amot. That is a bet se'ah, which means that is the amount of field that it would take to plant a se'ah's worth of seeds. Then you have bet satayim, which is double that, which is a field that is by 50 by 100 amma, which is basically 5,000 square amma. So you have a bet se'ah, and then you have bet satayim. Satayim is two. Bet se'ah is 50 by 50, bet satayim is 50 by 100. So again, if you have a karpef, an open area, that was not walled for dwelling purposes or residency purposes. So therefore, up to Bet Satayim, it's okay. But more than Bet Satayim, Hachamim gave it the status of a Karmelit, and the walls do not uh, allow carrying in such an area. That's basically the introduction to the Perek. And now we will start the Mishnah. And the Mishnah says, Osin pasin lebiraot. You are allowed to make these pasin, which is, these are the adjustments, the four L shapes that are around the board, like we see in picture number 124, in order that the Oled Galim will be able to draw water from the Rishut Yaqid, which is the well, and give it to their animals. Osin pasin lebiraot. You put four adjustments, those adjustments are called diyumadin, and the Gemara will explain where they got that lashon diyumad, why is that adjustment, that L-shaped adjustment called the diyumad? In any event, nirin kishmona, it looks like eight, because each diyumad has two sides to it, so therefore you have four of them, so it looks like you have eight. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Meir Omer, Shemona Nirim Kishnem Asar. He says it's eight, but it looks like twelve. How is that? Arba'a diyumadim, because you need the four diyumadim, Arba'a Peshutim. But he said also you need the four boards in between them. That's picture number 125. So you have the eight quasi walls from the Diyumadim, plus you have another wall in between each one of them on each side. So that those are called Pishutim. So altogether it's like you have twelve pieces. Govhan Asaratifahim. So the Mishnah says that the height of these items are at least ten tefahim. 
That's the height of them. V'rochbam shisha. And they have to be at least six tefachim wide. V'ovyam and their thickness kolchu. And the thickness can be minimum, even the smallest amount. Now, ubenehem. Now, the space in between each diyumad, which is how much space are you allowed to have between each adjustment? So the Mishnah says, Kimlo ravakot shel shalosh shalosh bakar. Meaning, you have <coughs> the distance in between them of two uh, groups of animals, each group having three in each one. For example, you have cows. So look at picture number 126. You have a group of three cows. And then another group of three cows, meaning six cows, let's say, across. That would be the shi'ud. And that's basically another way of saying ten amot. Now the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yudaomer Shel Arba. That the groups have to be actually groups of four. So altogether you have <coughs> two groups of four, which is eight cows. If you remember, we had a picture uh, number 74 in your books, where you saw on the one side of the wall, they had two groups of four cows, which actually brings you to a shi'ud of 13 and one-third amah. So basically the makhlukah is, is it 10 amot in between each diyumad, or 13 and a third amah in between each diyumad. Now the Mishnah gives some more <coughs> conditions. Kishurot, we're talking that the cows are tied to each other, velo mutarot, they are not untied, because if they're untied, then the distance is wider, so we're being mahmir, it's got to be a shorter distance, the animals have to be tied to each other, and furthermore, ahat nechneset, ahat yotset, meaning they're not in the same direction, one is facing in, and one is facing out, that again is a stringency, because it's less space when you put them that way. If you look at your pictures, you see it. In picture number 126, you see three of them are facing outside and three of them are facing inside. Again, as obviously you could fit <coughs> more cows in less space, and therefore it is a stringency. In any event, that is the mahlokin in the Mishnah. As we said, it's either 10 amot or 13 and a third amah. Now, Let's read Rashi so far in the Mishnah. Mishnah with Rashi. Osin pasin the bidaot. Shibrishut rabim. Right? Where it's in the public domain. Bidaot atzmam neshuti yachid. The wells themselves are considered neshuti yachidin. Shamukin asara. Because they are ten tefahim deep. The en yachol lemalot mehem. And you're not going to be able to draw from them. The osin pasin elu. So you make these adjustments. Lachinem hekef. In order to make a wall around. Those adjustments make the uh, surrounding part of the board a shoot hayachid. And you can draw the water and leave it there. And you can bring your animal in between these adjustments and give him to drink. Those are Walls that look like two. He says it looks like uh, a, a marzeb, which would be like a gutter. 
when they place it on the roof. When you place it in the ground, so one wall goes south and the other wall would go west. The other one goes uh, one to the west and one to the north. When you put all four on the four sides, meaning basically you have one ama coming out on one side and another ama coming out on the other side. So you have two amot of wall on each side with the space in between. Because we explained that the length of each part of the diyumat was six tefahim. Six tefahim is an amma. So therefore each wall has two amot plus the space in between. As we learned earlier, there's a mahluk and how much space you could have in between. And now the Mishnah continues. We are two lines from the bottom. Mutar le'akriv lebe'er. It is permissible to bring the diumadim very close to the be'er. Meaning you don't have to have a very wide area. You can even bring them very close to make it a very small area. However, So long as the cow, the majority of it is going to be within the area and can drink. If it's so narrow and so small the area where the majority of the cow is outside, so then we're concerned that you might end up taking the water into the Rishut Rabim. So if you look at picture number 127 in our books, you see over here the, the Yumadim are very close to each other. So so long as the cow's body is within majority, uh, within the uh, areas of the Yumadim, right? Roshor Veruba. Then already it's permissible. However, if it's so narrowed the spot where the cow's majority is outside, even though his head is inside, it is a problem because we're concerned that he might take it outside into the public domain. So there is a minimum amount of how close you could put the diumadin next to the board. Comes the Mishnah continues. Mutar leharhik kol it is permissible to put the Diyumadim as far as you want. Jeez, there is no maximum in putting your Diyumadim. A guy wants to put them, you know, uh, a mile away in order to enclose that area. It is permissible. That she says on the top, Kol Whatever it is hard to make, even a big parameter. However, but so long as he adds these middle pieces. Because as we learned, the maximum, let's say, is either 10 amot between each diyumad, or 13 and the third amah. So so long as you keep on adding these middle pieces to minimize the space in between, then you're okay. Oh. And as she says on the top line, The further away you keep these diyumadim from the board, You're going to increase the distance between each diyumad. So you're going to have to add those middle pieces. Again, so long as you do not have more than 10 amot according to the Bimir, or thirteen and the third amah according to Rabbi Yehuda. And the Mishnah continues. Mishnah says, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Ad Bet Satayim. 
which means you have until Betzatayim. He says you can't just put uh, these Diyumadim as far as you want. The maximum you could put them is Betzatayim, which he says is an area of 5,000 square amot. So they come along and tell the Buddha, why are you limiting us? Why are you telling us you can only make a maximum area of Betzatayim? Lo Amru Betzatayim ila Legina ul that law of Betzatayim was only said for a garden or an open area. Meaning, as we learned in the introduction to this Pedic, Hakamim said, while you're allowed to take an open area and put walls around it, that's only if the area is for dwelling. However, if it's not used for dwelling or for residency or for people, then already the maximum area you're allowed to wall is Betzatayim, 5,000 square. However, if you... If you wall an area more than 5,000 square, Amma, and it's not for residency, it does not work. The rabbis treat that area as an open area of a Karmelite, and you're not going to be able to carry. It's a very important principle that's going to repeat itself throughout the period. It's called the Karpef Shelohu Kafle Dira. An open area that was not walled for residency or for the use of people, the maximum area you can wall is 5,000 square, Amma. Anything more than that, the rabbis treat it like a Karmelite, and even if you have walls that you cannot carry. So that was the rabbi's claim to the Yehuda. What are you telling me over here that the maximum area that you could put these diumadim is 5,000 square amma? It's got nothing to do with this over here. This is used by people. The people go in and they feed their animals. There's no restriction when it comes to this. He says, you're giving me a deen of 5,000 amma. That only applies to karpef. And that only applies to a garden where you want to wall it. Then you have the 5,000 amma. Maximum it has no uh, application to the case of the board. After all, the board is being used by people. The people go in with their animals, and therefore there's no maximum. <laughs> if let's say it was a deer, deer is an enclosed area where the uh, farmers used to put the fertilizer in order to fertilize and feed their animals. So she says, Actually, they would make pens. That's what a deed is. A deed is a pen that they would fence it in. They would put the animals in the pen, and the animals would fertilize the field. And then they would move the pen to another area. So the Gemara says that if, let's say, you were making a deer with walls, or sahar. What is a sahar? That's a certain holding pen for the animals, right? For the animals of the city. Or mukseh. Mukseh, as she says, that was like an area behind the homes that they used to use for storage. They would call it a mukseh. Or haser. Or let's say it was a courtyard that's in front of the uh, homes. Now, all these items over here have a common denominator. They were all used also for human beings. Meaning the farmers would also dwell in those areas when they were watching their animals. If that's the case, afilu bet hamishakurin. Doesn't matter how big it is. Even if it's five kur, which means that's a tremendous amount. Now let's figure out the shiur of five kur. Each kur is 30 se'ah. So five kur would be 150 se'ah. Now we said that we, we're talking until now bet satayim, which is 5,000 amma by 5,000 amma. That's only two se'ah. This is a 
150. This is 70 times, 75 times greater than that, which is the rabbis are giving an exaggeration. I mean, if you're doing it for residency and you put walls, it can even be five kud, it can be 75 times greater than a bet satai measure. How about afilu bet asara kurin? Even 10 kud, meaning even 150 times the area of 5,000 uh, by 5,000 uh, 5,000 square in any event mutar be mutar so therefore we have a mahloket over here the rabbis are saying when you put your your um, there is no maximum amount again because using it for your animals is considered also a usage for human beings and therefore there's no restriction last point to the Mishnah again the Mishnah reiterates you can distance the diumadim as far as you want again so long as you put these middle pieces in the middle in order to minimize the distance between them because there is a maximum distance that you can have between each diumad as we said, either 10 amot or 13 and a third amma. So, so long as you add these middle pieces over here that keeps on minimizing the distance, you can put it as many amot as you want. And now we begin the Gemara. And the Gemara says, <coughs> Let us say our Mishnah is not following the opinion of Hananya. What is the opinion of Hananya? The Gemara says, We have a Braita. Osim pasim lebor. It is permissible to make these pasim, that those are these uh, L-shaped adjustments, for a board, the havalim le shayara. And you're allowed to make havalim, the rope adjustment, for a shayara. We learned yesterday is that, that a shayara is a group of three people that are in a field. They need to make a wall around the field for Shabbat so they can carry. So what do they do? They can take ropes. They don't have a regular wall with them, they have ropes with them. So they can place the ropes around the field, and we learned how they place them, within three tefahim of each other, and the ropes themselves have a thickness of a tefah, so you have a wall using lavud of ten tefahim. Even though those ropes are only going um, horizontally, still we said, even though it's a mechitsa giru'ah, but in a situation like that, where the guys get stuck in the field, the mechitsa giru'ah will work. So that's the first case. Osim pasim the board. You can make pasim for a board. The habadim the shayara and those rope uh, walls for a shayara. The hananya over. Hananya comes along and says habadim le bor. He says no. When it comes to the board, we only allow you to make the rope walls. But you cannot be lenient with these L-shaped adjustments called the Pasim. So you see what? Obviously, Hananya is not the author of Al Mishnah. Because Al Mishnah says you can make Pasim for the board. Where he says, no, you only can do it with the ropes. So the Gemara says, no, it's not so. Afilu Tema Hananya. I can even tell you the author of Al Mishnah is Hananya. How? Bor Lehud, Be'er Lehud. Let's be technical with the words here. Al Mishnah is talking about a be'er. And Hananiah was talking about a bor. There's a difference between a bor and a be'er. A bor is a area of, of water, obviously, that is not a wellspring. It doesn't produce water. It's just collected there. In the case of a bor, it comes to an end. Eventually the water is going to, come to, 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 to run out. And therefore... The concern of Hananiah is, once the water uh, runs out, so now already your uh, adjustments do not serve anything. 
Because the only heter was, so long as there's water in the board, to feed it the animals on the, on the holiday. Once it runs out, these are not good enough. So therefore he says, since it's a board which is a limited amount of water, you need a better adjustment. You need walls. However, now Mishnah is talking about a be'er. Be'er is always flowing water. There's no concern that you'll ever run out of water. And therefore you can even be lenient to put these, uh, the Yumadin over there. Let's read Rashi. Rashi says, be'er, ma'im <coughs> ha'im. Ma'im ha'im, which is, uh, actually let's read the one before that, bor. Bor, as she says, ma'im mechunasim. Right, that's water that is collected. Ve'avidi de paske. And it usually comes to an end, it stops. U'mishumachi asar hananya. That's what hananya was all said, to put these pasim, why? De'zimnin de paske maya. Because sometimes the water is going to come to an end. Now your mechitsot are worthless. The only time the walls are considered viable, so long as there's water in the board to feed to the animals. Once the water runs out, no good. And therefore you need legal walls. So therefore these be the, when it comes to a board that can come to an end, you need legal walls. Because relying on these quasi-pasim, uh, b- b- they only work so long as there's water in there. Once there's no water in there, they're not viable anymore. So therefore, Hananya was mahmir by a boar, but Amishnah was talking about a be'er. Therefore, Amishnah can be going even like Hananya. He'll allow you to use these diumadim by because the water never ends. It's constant, constant wellspring. As the Rashi says in the next Rashi, be'er, ma'im hayim. It is a wellspring of water. And when it says the word Bidaot in Amishnah, Amishnah used the word Bidaot. Bidaot is a Be'er. And therefore, we could say the author is indeed Hananya. Now there's a different version of this Gemara, which the Gemara introduces right now. Some have a different version. From the fact that it did not say in the Braita that Hananya said, Osin Habalim Lebor, Upasin Lebeer, which means from the fact that Hananya did not say that you make ropes for the boar and pasim for the bear. He never introduced bear. He didn't talk about it. Michlal de la Hananya lo shena boar ve lo shena bear. Which is, obviously to him it doesn't make a difference. Habalin in, only with ropes, yes. Pasin, lo. And therefore, lema matnitin de lo kahananya. Therefore, let's say Amishnah is not like Hananya. Meaning, when Hananya made his statement, did he make a hiluk? Boar, this din, bear, that din? No. He said... That when it comes to a board, you got to put ropes. Now, he should have been more explicit. He should have said, but when it comes to a bed, you can do pasim. In fact, he didn't be explicit. It sounds like he's not making a difference. If he's not making a difference, then he cannot be the author of Al-Mishnah. Because Al-Mishnah clearly said, at least by a bed, you could put these pasim. So the Gemara says, no, I feel tema hananya. I can even tell you the Mishnah is going like hananya. Hmm. Hananya was only reacting to what Tanakamav that Braita said. So therefore he responded. Meaning, Tanakamav that Braita said, you're allowed to make pasim for a boar. 
Meaning that Tanakhama of that Braith is very lenient. He says you can even do Pasif for a board which is water comes to an end. And to that Hananya came along and said, no, to a board you can't. The reason why he didn't mention Be'er is because that wasn't the discussion of the Braithah. But really he'll hold by a Be'er, you can't put uh, Bira or the He can be the author of Amisham Don't imply from the fact that Hananya didn't mention anything about a Be'er that he holds this one blanket law. It's not so. He's only responding to what Tanakhama was talking about. Tanakhama said you can't put Bira even to a board. Allah says, no, you can't. But by Bira'od, by Be'er, in Achenameh. Comes the Gemara and continues, Let us say that our Mishnah is not going according to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Why? What did Rabbi Akiva say? That now we have a Mishnah. Whether it is a wellspring of the Rabim, meaning a public works, or a bor, which is a collected water area of the Rabim, of the public, or it is a be'er, a wellspring of an individual. In all those three cases, osim lahem pasim. You're allowed to make pasim. Aval bor hayahid osim lo mechitza gavoa asarat tefarim devered Rabbi Akiva, which means Rabbi Akiva is mahmid only in one case, a bor of a yahid, because you have two things against you. Number one, it's a bor. Board is waters are limited, and it's owned by an individual. It's only used by one person. The advantage of having a rabim is, if the water starts to run out, everybody will remind each other and say, "Oh, you know what? We can't use this anymore. The water is running out. These uh, uh, these posts over here are not viable anymore." However, an individual. You know, he might forget, the water's running out, once the water runs out, this is not considered a shuti yahid anymore, and he still might come and carry. So you have two things against you, it's a bor, and it's a yahid. In that case over there, then he says you need walls of ten, you need a legitimate enclosure. However, if it's anything less than that, meaning if you have a be'er of a yahid or a rabim, or for that matter a bore of rabim, it would be permissible. So only when you have two negatives against you, then it is as to the need walls. Now, the ilu but when it comes to al-mishnah, ketani lebira'ot. Al-Mishnah said you could make pasim for bidaot. Libidaot in, liborot lo. It's masma from Al-Mishnah. It only allowed you for a be'er. Because the word bidaot is referring to be'er. Al-Mishnah did not let you make an adjustment at all for a bor. That's going against the Akiva. Because even the Akiva was lenient in a bor of rabim, you can make the adjustment. Well, Al-Mishnah says no. Only for bidaot, meaning be'erot. So therefore, Amishnah cannot be going like Rabbi Akiva. So the Gemara says, no, no. Afilu tema Rabbi Akiva. I can even tell you the Mishnah is going like Rabbi Akiva. Be'er ma'im ha'im. When it comes to a be'er, which is a wellspring, difsikale, which it's a cut and dry halakha, there's no differences, whether it's private or whether it's public. Lo shenad dirabim, velo shenad diya'id. You don't have to make any halukim when it comes to a wellspring. I don't care how many people are using it. Ketani, ketani. That's what the Mishnah discussed. Bor mechunasim, when it comes to a bor, delopsikale, it's not cut and dry. You have to make differences now. Lo ketani. So that Mishnah, did not mention it, meaning the Mishnah didn't want to get involved with having to start making, if it's a Nabim or it's a Yahid, the Mishnah wanted to give a cut and dry case, the only cut and dry case is a Be'er, Be'er since it's a wellspring, I don't care if it's private or public, now does the Mishnah agree to the Akiva's Deen of Bor? Of course, but we don't get involved with it because once you mention Bor, then you have to start saying if it's a Nabim, it's okay, if it's a Yahid, it's not okay, Mishnah don't want to go there, Mishnah wants to say a Halakha where it's 
straight. So therefore I can say the Mishnah is indeed going like the Biakiva. But our Mishnah only discussed the case where it's cut and dry. And therefore Bira ought any case you want. Board? Yeah, the Tanaf Mishnah agrees to his case of board. Rabim, yeah? Yahido. But he didn't want to get involved because it has to be too verbose. And it has to start, you know, giving you the differences. Comes the Gemara continues. Let us say maybe our Mishnah is not going according to the opinion of the Biudah bin Baba. Why? Because we have a Mishnah. The Biudah bin Baba Omer, En Osin Pasin Ela Lebe'er Harabim Bilvad. The Biudah bin Baba says, You only can make a Pasim, you need two positives. You need a Be'er, which is a wellspring, the water never ends, and it's got to be of the public. Which means they'll remind each other. It means you need two things. But our Mishnah said, Lebiraot. Just said for Beirot, and it did not make a Hiluk. Lo Shenad Rabim, Velo Shenad Yahid. Kemara says, No, I feel Utema Rabiudab bin Baba. I can even say the Mishnah is going to be Rabiudab bin Baba. My Biraot, and what does the Mishnah mean when it says Biraot? Biraot de Alma. Which means, the word Biraot means public wells. So therefore, if you want to read into the Mishnah, you could say, now obviously this is arguing what we just said above, but we're trying to say that you have no conclusive proof that the Mishnah cannot be going like the Mishnah Baba. Because I could argue and say, when it says Bidaot, use, the, use the, a, a, a plural language, Bidaot means the wells of the people, meaning of the public. And therefore, well, whose opinion is that? Could be the Mishnah Baba, because he only allows Pasim uh, for Be'er Shel Rabim. And now the Gemara, after trying to figure out who the Mishnah is, is it Hananya, is it Rabbi Akiva, is it Rabbi Yudah ben Tema, now the Gemara, I'm sorry, Rabbi ben Baba, now the Gemara goes into the root word. These adjustments, right, these L-shaped that come to a, a right angle, they are called the Yumadin. So the Gemara wants to know the etymology. Where did they get this word, the Yumadin, from? What's the source of the word? So the Gemara says, my the Yumadin. What is this word, the Yumadin, here? So, Amar of Yirmiyah bin Azar, the Yumadin. The in Aramaic means two, and Amudin is a post. So therefore, what are these items over here? They're actually made of two sides. There are two posts, one going, let's say, to the, uh, to the uh, west, and one going to the north. So therefore, each, each one's going in a different direction, and you have two of them. So, diyumadin, it's an abbreviation of the word diyumadin, two amudin, two posts. So now the Gemara is going to uh, give us different examples where the word diyu is used. Our Gemara here gives us actually a mnemonic to remember the next sugya. Diyu, lemnoda. So if you remember these words, you'll be able to remember the suga that is coming up. The first part is diyu. Let's see. Tenan, we learned in the Mishnah Hatam. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda taught, Kol hashitin peturin. All shitin are patur. What are shitin? Rashi tells us these are type of figs that are inferior. Inferior figs are called shitin. Now, we learned in the previous daf, we learned in Masechet Berachot many times, there's a concept called demai. What is demai? When you buy fruit from an ama'aris, you have to be concerned that he did not give his ma'asir on those fruits. Even though the Gemara does say, rov ame'aris ma'asrinin, the majority of the ama'aris do give their ma'asir, but you have to be concerned about the minority of them. Therefore, when you buy fruit from a ama'aris, you must take tithes, and give it to the Levi. 
Now, until you give it to the Levi, that fruit is called Demai, as we explained, Damai. You don't know what it is. Did he give or didn't he give? Now, the Hadush of this statement is that when it comes to these rotten figs, when you buy them from an Amaris, you're patur from giving Ma'asir. You know why? Because you could assume the Amaris definitely gave it. Because it's junk. He doesn't care to give it. The only reason why he doesn't give, because it's good stuff. You don't want to waste it by giving it to the Levi. But this junk over here, these, 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 these te'enim ra'im, don't cost him anything. So then what the Gemara says, Rabbi Yudalmir, kol hashitin, anytime you buy shitin, these rotten figs from the uh, Amaris, peturin. Chutz, except minhad yufra. Except when you buy diufra. So again, you see the word diu. So the Gemara says, my diufra. What is this word diufra? Amar ula ilana ose diu perot bashana. That is a type of fig tree that has two seasons. It produces figs twice a year. Therefore, what do they call those figs? Diu perot. Peri is a peri. It's a fruit. Diu is two. So you see another usage of the word diu perot. Two fruits, meaning it has two seasons. And therefore, these are hashuv. Therefore, when you buy these figs, obviously, you have to be concerned. He didn't give the ma'asir. So that's the second usage of the word diu. Now, we give another usage. Amar of bin el-Azhar. Diu partsuf panim hayalo le'adam arishon. Gemara tells us a little about the first man, Adam Arishon, how he was created. The Gemara says Adam Arishon had two faces. So the Gemara is going to tell us one side of him he was a male, and the other side of him he was a female, which means Adam Arishon was a hybrid. He had two sides to him. They want to say, Diyu Parsuf, two faces. Shana'imah, and the Gemara substantiates that. What a pasuk from Tehilim, and the pasuk says, "Achor vakedem tzartani," which means David referring to the creation says, "God created Adam back and front," meaning he had two sides. Yeah, obviously, the pasuk must be coming to tell us Hadus that Adam had a back. Everybody has a back, but it's coming to tell you that Adam had a front and a back. Meaning he was two people. He was a man and a female connected, one on one side and one on the other side. So Gemara comes along and says, Ketiv, it says in the Pasuk, Vayiven Hashem Elohim et Selah. It says Hashem took the Selah, which we understand to be the rib from Adam Arishon, and he made Chava. So the Gemara says, now, according to this, what is the explanation of this Pasuk? So comes the Gemara and says the following, Rav Shmuel, we have a machlog between Rav and Shmuel, how to explain this Pasuk? Hadamar, Partsuf. One actually says, God split Adam in half. Which means, half of him was a female already, according to what we just learned. So therefore, what did he do? He cut him in half, yet Hava now was the lady side, and he remained the male side. That's one interpretation. Now, another explanation is, now according to this word, the Selah is not a rib. When it says, Selah, Selah means a side. If you remember when we learned about the Mishkan, Parashiyot, Tirumat, Tzaveh, when it's referring to the sides of the Mishkan, it says, Ulsela HaMishkan, to the side of the Mishkan. And then, even Hashem God took a side of Adam, which means the side of Hava, separated it and made the female. The Hadamara, one opinion says, no, Zanav. One interpretation says, Adam had a tail. And it was from that tail that God cut it, and formed Hava from. Now, we don't, whenever the word Zanab is used, 
for example, you see it over here, you also see in the Gemara Megillah where it talks about Vashti, that she had a tail. doesn't mean necessarily you have to say she had a tail like a, uh, or Adam had a tail like an animal, but a tail means an, an extension. Meaning he had a certain body part that a normal person would not have, a growth coming out of his body, they would call that a zanav. So according to this interpretation, God took from that selah, that extension, and he cut it and formed hava. So the Gemara says, According to the opinion that says that Adam had two sides to him, which is very good, which is according to the way you understand that Hava was created from one of the sides of Adam, so we understand it, because we learned it in the Pasuk that Adam was really created with two sides, and therefore the formation of Hava makes sense. However, but according to the opinion, says, no, Adam was only one-sided, and therefore Hava was created from the Zanav, how do you learn that Pasuk that says Adam was created front and back? What do you mean? According to this opinion, no, he was only a male. And Hava was created from the extension of his body. How does that opinion learn the Pasuk? Achor vakedem sartani. So the Gemara says, Kid Rabbi Ami. The Amar Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami says, Achor lemaase bereshit. When it says Achor, God created Adam last. What does last mean? Meaning at the end of the whole creation. He was created on the sixth day after everything was created. So that's Achor. He was created last. Vakedem. And what does it mean? He was cr- earlier. He was created earlier. Lepuranut. When it comes to punishment, Adam received punishment before anybody else. So he was last in creation, but first for punishment. So the Gemara says, We understand what it means when Adam was the last of creation. Because he wasn't created until Friday. But he was the first one to be punished. What are you talking about? If you tell me the curse after Adam and Yishon ate from the tree, he was the first one to be cursed. It's not so. The snake was cursed first. Then Hava was cursed. So when it comes to that, Adam was not the first one to be cursed. So the Gemara says, It's referring to... The Mabul, when God brought the flood in the times of Noah, what does it say in the Pasuk? God destroyed all the inhabitants of the world that were on the earth. Who was punished first? The Pasuk clearly says Adam and then Behemah. So when the Pasuk says, Man was the last of the creation, but he was the first to be punished. When? In the times of the Mabul. Because the Pasuk says, That means the people died first before the animals. So that's what that Pasuk means. Kemal continues, second wide line. Going to the opinion that says Adam and Rishon had two faces, when it's referring to the creation of Adam and Rishon, the Pasuk says, Vayitzer Hashem Elohim et Adam. Now if you look at the word Vayitzer, God created, there's two Yuds in that word, in that Pasuk. Now normally the word Vayitzer is spelled only with one Yud. But if you tell me he was two-sided, I understand why there's two Yuds. Hinting to us the two creations of Adam. He was male on one side and female on the other side. However, in the land of Zanav, but according to the opinion, it says, no, Adam was a male. And he just had an extension coming from him. My Vayitzer. What's the double language, the double Yud in Vayitzer? So the Gemara says, Can the Bishamom and Pazi, like the opinion of the Bishamom and Pazi that taught, Tamar Bishamom and Pazi, Oili mi Yitzri, Oili mi Yitzri. 
Those two Yuds, the Shnei Yudin, are actually coming to hint to us the plight of every human being. Which means, we have to be concerned from two things. From our Yitzhah and from our Creator. The Yitzhah is called Yitzri, and our Creator is called Yotzri. So therefore the Pasuk is coming to tell you, once you're created, you have two issues. Oily me Yitzri. I always have to be worried about my Yitzri, because anytime I want to do something good, the Yitzri comes after me and fights me, and tries to knock me down and stop me. So woe to my Yitzri. And then if I give in to my Yitzri, Oily me Yitzri. I have to be worried about my Creator. So we're constantly in the struggle between Yitzri and Yitzri. That is the creation of man. That's why the double Yud is coming to hint us, the struggle always between Yitzri and Yotzri. says, that says Adam and had two faces. Now we understand when it, Adam was created, what does the Pasuk say? It says he created them, Zachar Because Adam was created plural. He was created with two already. He was one side male, one side female. So the word Bela'am makes sense because he was indeed Zachar Unkeba. But according to the opinion that says that Adam and Yitzhak had an extension, my Zachar and Keba Bera'am. What do you mean? Which created Zachar? It wasn't created Zachar and Keba. It was only created Zachar. So it was like the Abhu. The Abhu Rabekitiv. The Abhu brought a contradiction in Pesukim. Kitiv. It says in one pasuk Zachar and Keba Bera'am. One pasuk it says that he created them, male and female. Uchtiv betzelim Elohim bara oto. But the one person says, no, he created him individually. So make up your mind, was it Bera'am? Was it plural, the creation, or was it Oto? So the Gemara says, Betheila, originally, Originally, God's intention was to create them as one, meaning together, And at the end, so to speak, he changed his mind and decided to only create them individually. Now, of course, this Gemara needs to have interpretation. Does God have a first thought and an afterthought? May God in His original intent wanted to create them as Zacharun Keba. That's why it says Zacharun Keba That was the first thought. But when it says Bara Oto, that was the afterthought. So the Mefarachim explain over here a very, very important explanation. Actually, the Hatam Sofir brings it down. The Maral also talks about it. The Hatam Sofir explains like this. Why was Adam needed to be created with Chaba attached to him, according to that opinion. Well, what, what, what's the purpose? Why create him attached and then have to cut him up? Just create them separately from the beginning. Or according to this opinion, why do you have to have a first thought to put them together and then separate them? So he explains like this. God wanted a man and a wife to have a relationship like no other species has. Which means although other animals do mate with each other, but they're not considered one. Which means the, the uh, affection and the love and the feeling that an animal has for each other is not that they can feel each other's pain or that they're able to share each other's life. It's just mating. However, God wanted that when a man marries a wife, it's more than just mating. It's that they are indeed one. That they feel each other's pain as, and their happiness as if they are one entity. Therefore, God created man and wife as one 
in order to create that nature that they indeed are one. So even after he split them up, since their origin was as one, when they come back and get married, they go back to that original creation. And the same thing is according to this opinion. Even though according to this opinion, they were actually created individually, but God's first thought means that God instilled in the creation this concept that man and wife are actually one. That's what it means, the first thought of God. He changed his mind. But before he created Adam, he needed to create in the creation such a concept that a man and a wife are actually one. So God's thought actually created that uh, bond between man and wife. And uh, he didn't have to actually do it. The thought put that connection together. And then when he created them separately, but still that a feeling was there. And any event, the Gemara continues on the first wide line. According to the opinion that says, man was created with two faces. Now we understand after Habba was created, it says God had to put Basar in its place, meaning the place of the cut, God had to put Basar, flesh. Because if you split Adam and Rishon, now he's open on one side. So we understand why God had to put flesh on the back of Adam and Rishon because uh, it, was, uh, it was all opened. However, but according to opinion, that was just a growth from Adam and Rishon that was cut. Why does God have to just put Basar there? Which is seemingly would heal on its own. I mean, you're just cutting a growth off, and if the body would heal, so why is God have to add flesh? So the Gemara says, Yeah, in the place that was cut, God did not want Adam and Rishon to have a scar. And therefore, yeah, it would have healed, but there would have been a scar mark. So God took flesh and actually uh, superimposed it on that spot over there in order that there will be no... Uh, a mark that was left. continues. Three lines from the bottom. Now we go the other way. that says Adam just had a growth from his body where Haba was created. Now we understand why the pasuk is ve'yiven, which is God had to build, He had to create it, because Haba was just a there was no there was no person there. So therefore ve'yiven, you have to fashion it. But according to the opinion that says Chava was created already, she was just on the back of Adam, my even. What do you mean he had to create? He didn't have to create anything. She was there already. He just had to split. So the Gemara says, like the Bishim on the Menasya. That Pasuk Vayivin is going like the Bishim on the Menasya. The Darish, the Bishim on the Menasya. Vayivin Hashem, when he met the Selah, says God created the side, Melamed, Shikilah, Kadosh, Baruchun, Chava, Veviyal, Adam, Rishon. This is, Vayibin does not mean he created. This is referring to God braided the hair of Hava. Now, where do we see the word Vayibin means to braid? Sheken bekarcheayam, the Gemara says, on the islands, Korim nekliyata, they call the braiding of hair biniyata. They call that biniyata, so Vayibin, not the word creating, Hava was created already. All God had to do was split her from Adam. So what does he mean Vayibin Hashem? He made her beautiful. Which means before he presented to the Adam Rishon, he so to speak made her hair nice. So from here you see over here how much Agadot Baruch Hu was involved in the Shalom Bayit of Adam Chaba. Before he presented her, he made sure that she looked not only presentable, but she looked extra presentable by doing the hair of Chaba in a braid. The Barach had another interpretation. But even Hashem Elohim, Amar of Hazdav Amri B'Matnita, Tana Melamed Shebenaah Hakadosh Baruch Hu Chaba. Kibinyan Otsar. 
God created Vayiven at Hava like a Otsat, a container, like a storage container. What is a female, her uh, configuration? Why? How is it like a storage container? So the Gemara says, Ma Otsat. Ze Rahab Milemata, it's wide on the bottom, the Katser Milemala, and narrow on top. Again, why? Because you want it to be wide on the bottom so it could hold the goods. And therefore it has, you know, a space on the bottom, has a, a nice width to it, so it doesn't break. So too, that can carry the fruit, so it can receive the fruit. You put the fruit in a narrow spot, and then it winds out on the bottom. So too, Afa Isha, so too God created the lady, the Hava Milemata. She's wide on the bottom, the and narrow on top. Why? In order that her body will be configured to hold the baby, which is the baby is on the bottom. So it needs to be wide over there so it can hold it. If she was narrow on the bottom, the baby would just break through. So therefore she was created with chokmah like an otzar, in order to carry the valad, the child. And the gemara continues. It says, and God brought Hava to Adam. Which is a Kadosh Baruch Hu got involved in the wedding, so to speak, of Adam and Rishon to make him happy. And he prepared a Seuda like a Shushbin. What is a Shushbin? Shushbin is a friend. I mean, just like at weddings you have uh, the friends that come and make the Hatan and Kala happy. So it says when God brought Adam to Haba, he was like a Shushbin. He was like, uh, uh, you know, pre- presenting him to Haba, to, to Adam and Rishon, with all the Simcha uh, and all that. God was, so to speak, uh, you'll forgive me when we talk about it at a wedding, have a best man. So, God was the best man in the sense that he came and presented Havatim. That was a, uh, to make Adam happy. Mikan, Legadol, From here we learn that even an older person or the Hashuv person should not uh, stand on ceremony, but he should also make the Hatan happy. If God could lower himself to make Adam and Rishon to present him his wife, so too the Gadol should be the uh, friend, so to speak, for the Katan at the wedding. And he should not be upset by doing such a thing. Meaning, we've saw many times in the Gemaraz, we learned many of the greatest rabbis were involved in building the chupot, the canopies for weddings. And even though the ones that they were making the weddings for, obviously were not as great as them, but they learned from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Just like God brought Hava into the marriage, so too everybody, even if it's not beneath your dignity to be involved in such a wedding, one should go out of his way to Misameach Hatan Vekala. And the Gemara continues. Ulman Damar Partsuf. Now the Gemara has an interesting question. According to the opinion that says Adam had two sides. Which side led? Did the male side lead, walk first in front, or did the male follow the female? Which is what side was actually walking first? They have two faces. Who was in control? Gemara says, 
it makes sense, which is, we don't know for sure, but it makes logical sense that the male was walking first, and Hava was behind, trailed. Why? The Tanya, because we have a Braita. Lo yalech adam achore isha baderich. It's not proper for a man to walk behind a lady on the road. Why? Because he's looking at her. He's going to look at her. It's not, uh, it's not proper. Now it's talking about somebody else. Even if it's his wife. Which means even though they teach ladies first, here the Gemara is saying that's not proper for a man to walk behind her. Even his wife, not nice. It looks like he's, he's looking at her. It's not Nechubad. Now there's Damnalo ala Geshir. Now let's say he's stuck, he's on a one-lane bridge, and there's a lady in front of her. So what is he supposed to do? He should walk up to her and just go on the side of her and walk ahead of her. Which means he should not stay behind her. He should, you know, go on the side and just walk ahead. That's talking about, again, if it is an eshet ish. Comes again and says... That's what the post keeps saying. If it's your wife on a bridge, it's okay. You don't have to go to such tidha. But if it is your ish, then already you have to... Well, you know it's not your wife. It means anybody that's not your wife. Now, Anybody that follows the lady when she goes to the river, they do not have a share to the world to come. What is this talking about? That she says, what does she do when she's walking to the river? She lifts up her dress because she doesn't want her feet to get wet. She doesn't want her feet to get wet. So what does she do that she says? She lifts up her dress. Now with this guy's following her to the river, what is he going to see? He sees her leg that's revealed. Not the way he sees her Hazrat Shalom totally revealed. He's just going to see the back of her leg revealed when she lifts up her dress. The Gemara says such a person Oh, what's the explanation? Such a transgression, you lose your halak So the Mephashim explained, because he's getting used to looking at uh, ladies that are not married. What's going to end up happening to him? It's going to cause him to commit adultery. And once he commits adultery, then already he's going to forfeit his ulama So such a practice that is done chronically can lead to hazbe shalom ni'uf. Comes the Gemara and continues. Tanu Rabbanan, we have a Braita. Hamratse ma'ot le'isha. Miyado liyada. If a person is counting money to a lady, meaning he's dealing with money to a lady, miyado liyada, from his hand to her hand. Or miyada liyado, or it's from her hand to his hand, meaning he's going to a cashier. And she's a lady, specifically went to the lady, in order that he could look at her, so therefore he's doing the transaction, so he did it, in order that he could look at the lady. Bishishi is takelba, in order he could look at her. Afilu domele Moshe Rabbeinu shekibel Torah mehar Sinai even if he is great as Moshe Rabbeinu that received the Torah mehar Sinai lo yinakem medinah shel Gehinnam he is not going to be clean from the judgment of Gehinnam the halav ekatuv omer like the pasuk says yad liyad lo yinakera which means the pasuk is telling you even if he is yad liyad liyad meaning when you are going from hand to hand. Meaning, you're passing money from one end to the other, from the man to the lady, or the lady to the man. Lo yinakera, you're not going to be clean from bed. What's bed? Lo medina shel geinam. You're not going to be free from geinam. Now, where did the Gemara get, even if the guy's great as Moshe Rabbeinu? 
Where does it say anywhere in this pasuk over here that they had to give an example that even if he's great as Moshe Rabbeinu, so the Mephashim explained because Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah from the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it's saying Yad Liyad, even if you're like the one that was Yad Liyad, Moshe that received the Torah from the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to his hand, Lo If you went specifically to look at the girl when you're making the transaction in order to to stare, so then already you're also going to get Gainam. Ama Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman comes along and says, Manoah Amaarisaya. Manoah, as we learned, was the father of Shimshon. Now the Gemara tells us that Manoah was an ignoramus. He was an Amaaris. How do we know that? Shneimar, because the pasuk says, "Vayakom vayelech Manoah achare ishto." It says Manoah got up and walked behind his wife. He didn't notice Gemara. The man we just said, even in front of his wife, he's not supposed to walk in back of her. So you see, for me, Manoah must have been an Amaris, because he didn't know the halakha. He was letting his wife walk in front. So Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak has a question. According to what you're telling me, Gabe El Kana, the father of Shemuel, that we know was a prophet himself. It also says that El Kana walked behind his wife. El Kana was Amaris? I can just tell me that. It was a Navi. The Gabe Elisha, who we know was the student of Eliyahu Navi. He also walked behind a lady. What do you tell me? That he was also Amaris? So the Gemara says, What does it mean that he, Elkanah went after his wife? It means that he walked behind his wife. It means he followed her advice exactly. He listened to her. He went after her, meaning he listened to her counsel. The same thing with Elisha. He walked after the, the lady. He listened to her counsel. So we can say the same thing by Manoah. And he walked behind his wife. He just listened to the counsel and the advice of his wife. So therefore, according to this opinion, Manoah indeed was not an Amaris. Amar So Rav says, Ulmai de Amar, Rav Nachman, but according to what Rav Nachman said, Manoah Amaris ayah, but according to the opinion that says indeed he was an Amaris, Afilu be Rav Namelokara. He didn't even learn the simple pasukim that they know in the yeshiva. Be Rav is the children. Even a simple pasuk in the homage, Manoah didn't know. What simple pasuk didn't he know? Tiktiv, Batakum Rivka Vinarotea. Rivka got up with her. Uh, helpers, the girls with her. She rode on the camels. She let Eliezer go ahead and she traveled behind Eliezer. So what do you learn? So what is the person coming to tell me? Rivka was smart. She knew not to travel in front of Eliezer because then Eliezer is going to be behind her. So even a simple pasuk in the Torah, Manoah didn't know. You don't need to know, uh, you know, any hard pasukim. Even a basic pasuk that clearly says that the man goes first and the lady travels behind. Kamsikamalai continues. Amar Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Yohanan taught, Achare Ari, better to walk behind the lion, Velo Achare Isha. But do not walk behind the lady. If you walk behind the lion, that's only a physical danger. However, behind the lady, that's already a spiritual danger. That she says, we're talking about ishit ish. We're talking about a married lady. You walk behind her, it could lead to husband shalom uh, problems. Then the Gemara says, Ahore isha, velo ahore avodat kuchavim. 
But better to walk behind the ancient ish than to walk behind an idolater. Because that can cause your husband to commit avodah Then the Gemara concludes, better to walk behind an idolater but do not walk behind the synagogue at the time that they're praying. It's referring to a halakha that we learned in Masikat Berachot, that if they're praying in the synagogue, and a guy walks behind the synagogue while they're praying, so it looks like he's kofir. It looks like he does not believe what's taking place in the synagogue. And therefore, that's the worst thing, because he's kofir ba'ikar. Even a guy that's walking behind an idolater, so could be he does two things. He worships Abu Dazar, and he also believes in God. At least he believes in God. He's, he's 50-50. But a guy that walks behind the synagogue, meaning while they're praying, and it's obvious he's doing it in a way where he's showing uh, disdain to what they're doing inside. So that's why he's a kofir. That would be the worst scenario. Comes again when I continues. We're at the beginning of the line. It's uh, parallel to the Tosafot, Mirurin Kezayit. Comes the Gemara and says, Ve'amar of Yirmiyah ben Azar, Kolotam Ashanim Shayadam Rishon Benidui. The Gemara is going to teach us that after Adam Rishon ate from the tree, God put him into excommunication. Now, how many years was he in excommunication? 130 years. So the Gemara says, Holid Ruhin Veshedin Velilin. He gave birth, or he. As a result of him was born all the spirits, all the demons, and all the different leading, that's the different types of, again, uh, bad spirits. Uh, the mazikim, those are uh, the ones that are the, the bad angels that can cause damage. How do we know that? Shneimar, Adam shiloshimu matshana. When Adam Rishon was 130, vayolid bidmuto ketsalmo. When he was 130 years old, then he had a child that looked like him. It says bidmuto ketsalmo, implying what? Michlal which is only at 130 did he have a child that was bidmuto, implying that what before 130 he was having children, but they didn't look like him. What was he having? The ruhin, the shedin, and the masikim. So therefore, Adam Rishon was always producing. It just he didn't produce a child that looked like him kidmuto till 130 years old. Meti made a question. said, Adam Rishon Hasid Gadolaya. Adam Rishon was a Hasid. When he saw that he was the cause of bringing a death sentence to the world, because until Adam Rishon ate, people were supposed to live forever. It was his fault that God now said, people are going to die. So when he saw that he was responsible for such a penalty, he fasted for 130 years as a kapara for the fact that he ate. So Midakinegida, he ate from the tree, so the only way I could fix the eating is by abstaining from eating. And he did not, he abstained from his wife for 130 years. Again, Midakinegida, the whole sin was why? Because he listened to his wife. And therefore, he refrained from his wife for 130 years. Now, once we say this, how did he give, how did he give birth to Shedim and uh, Mazikim? Which the assumption of the previous Gemara was he was with Hava, and Hava instead of giving birth to human beings, he gave birth to all these uh, types of demons. But now the Gemara is saying no, he abstained from relations with his wife for 130 years. Furthermore, the Gemara says, He 
instead of wearing normal clothes, he put on his body the twigs, the thorny twigs of the figs, which means he was self-mutilating himself by putting himself in, in with the thorns. Now why would he do this? Because one opinion in Masih al-Barakot says, the tree that he ate from was what? A fig tree. So midah keneged midah. Instead of, because he benefited from the trig, now he let the fig tree punish him by putting the thorns of the fig on his body for 130 years. So bottom line, the question is, if he abstained from haba for so many years, how did he give birth to the mazikim and the shedim? Gebarah says, ki kamrinan, ha'u b'shechvat zera dehazal Because he abstained from his wife, he did have some seminal discharges, Accidentally, from those seminal discharges of Zikmat Zera, it was from there that all the Bazikim and the Shedim and the Ruhin, they were created from those discharges. Kanzi Gibran says, When a person is in front of somebody, you don't give him all his praises. You praise him partially. You give him partial praises. Of course, you don't want the person to become uh, inflated. You don't want to become arrogant. However, But when you're not in front of him, you could praise him fully, full measure. How do we know this? How do we know that when you're talking directly to the person, you give him partial praise? When God was talking to Noah, what did God tell Noah? God tells Noah, you're a tzaddik. However, however, all the praise was said by Noah when he wasn't in front of him. Noah is tzaddik. Which is when God is still referring to Noah away from him, he tells him his full praise. He was tzaddik and he was tamim. But when he tells Noah directly, he says, eh, you're only a tzaddik. So here we learn the principle of miksat shavacho. It's worthy to tell over the hidush of Yosef Karo, the way he explains, the author of the Shohan Aruk, the way he explains these pisukim in a different light. He says that Noah lived uh, his life span through two generations, Dora Mabul and Dora Palaga. Now the generation of the Mabul, their sin was primarily going after the hedonistic pleasures, Arayot. What do we call a person who abstains from Arayot? A Sadiq. Sadiq is used like Yosef a Sadiq. He's called Yosef a because he abstained from Eshet Potiphar. Now he also lived in the generation of the their sin was, they worshipped Abu Dazara, they wanted to fight God, they built a tower. Now somebody that has true belief in God, what do we call him? Tamim. Meaning, he has a perfect emunah. Like the Pazuk says, Tamim tiyeh, So therefore the Pazuk is saying like this, Noah is Sadiq Tamim. He was both. In the generation of the flood, he was a Sadiq. In the generation of Palaga, he was a Tamim. Hayab Therefore, says Bedorotav is plural. Because in two generations, he was a Sadiq and a Tamim. But when God was telling Noah to build a Teba, what does he tell him? Ki iti Sadiq In this generation, you're a Sadiq. God could not refer to Noah as a Tamim because he didn't prove himself as a Tamim yet. Badur Hazeh, in this generation, you're only a Sadiq. Hence, that's why at the beginning it says Sadiq Tamim. That's giving the overall picture of Noah. He was Sadiq in two generations, Dorotav. However, in the generation of the Babu, Badorazeh, he was indeed a Sadiq. In any event, the Gemara continues. The Amar, Rav Yirmiyah, Ben El Azar. My Dikhtiv, what did it say in the Pasuk? Which means the Pasuk says that when Noah sent the uh, dove 
off the uh, boat, off the Teva, to see if the floods water had receded. So it came back with a alezayit, uh, with a leaf of the olive tree in its mouth. So comes the uh, Gemara and wants to understand. Amra Yona The Yona by bringing back that olive uh, leaf, which is very bitter, the Gemara is going to tell us. There's a symbolism here that the Gemara says. The, the dove told God, I'd rather that my sustenance should be as bitter as this leaf of the olive, but at least it's coming from you. And it shouldn't be sweet as honey. But I'm dependent on people. Which means the whole time the Yonah was on the boat, he was at the whims of Noah. He was receiving his panasah from somebody else. So therefore the Yonah comes back as God. I'd rather eat bitter my whole life, but at least I know I'm getting it from you that have to be dependent on somebody else that's giving me even sweet food. How do you know that? It says taraf. It says, when it says it was in his mouth, it used the word taraf. Now we know the word taraf can also be read teref. What is teref? Teref is food. And therefore, The pasuk says in telim, David HaMelech says, Give me the measure of my food. So therefore, what he was saying is taraf mefiya, which means what the Yonah was saying, I'd rather have my mezonot. Give it to me from you than having to be dependent on a human being comes the Gemara and says so again she says Tarat Pefiha Ma'amar Piha mean regarding her mouth Biksha she is Zayit Tarat Teref Shela Vainu Mazon she'd rather have her food to be a Zayit Ma'amar of Yirmiya Ben Al-Azhar Kol Bayit Nishma'im Bo Devret Torah Balayla any house that the words of Torah are heard in that house in the evening Shuv Eno Nehirav it will not be destroyed. If the Torah is an insurance policy on the house, Torah protects the house. It will not be destroyed. Shne'emar, as the Pasuk says in Iyov, Velo Amar Osai Noten Zemirot Balayla. Which means a person is not going to say, Where is God? Meaning, if a person's house burns down, what is a person's reaction? Where is God? Why did God do this to me? So Eov says, a person will never have to say, where is God? Because bad things will not happen in his house. You know why? Because he sings to God in the evening. What is these songs referring to? It's referring to the Devre Torah. David HaMel says, Zemirot HaYudi Hukecha. Comes the Gemara and continues. From the day... That the Beit Hamikdash was destroyed. Now already God's name is incomplete. The normal name of God, the four-letter name of God, is what Yudke Vavke. However, once the Beit Hamikdash was destroyed, so already the glory of God was limited. Also, when God went back up to the Elyonim, so now the name of God is only Yudke. When will God's name be complete? Only after Mashiach comes and builds the third Beth Mikdash and we destroy Zarosh al-Amalek, then God's name again is Yudke Vavke. So that's what the Gemara is saying. At this point now, God's name only is two letters. Hallelujah. Now what does this Pasuk teach us? So the Tosafot quotes 
from the Benu Hananel that instead of reading the Pasuk simply like we read it, on every breath that a person uh, breathes, we must praise God. But this Gemara is learning, imagine the word Nishama has a dagesh in the mim. So you read the word at the time of desolation, meaning so long as there's desolation in the world, Shemama is desolation, meaning as long as the Beit HaMikdash is destroyed, how do we praise God? We can only praise God with the letters Yud Ke, meaning His name is incomplete. And meaning the glory of God can only be complete when Mashiach comes. And that's the whole prayer of the Kaddish. What do we say in Kaddish? Yitkadal v'yitkadash Shemeh Rabbah. Shemeh, how do we spell Shemeh? According to some of the Mefarshim. The name of God, Shemeh. Shin Mem Yud He. So what we're saying is God, Yitkadal v'yitkadash Shem Ya. We want your name Ya, Rabbah, to become great. Meaning we want Mashiach to come. And then your name will be Yud Ke Vav Ke. As a matter of fact, we say in the Perashah, in the Pasuk, Torah tells us that uh, at the end of Bishalah, Kiyad al Dor And the Gemara learns from this Pasuk that the name of God is incomplete so long as there's Amalek in the world, and the chair of God. Which means the Kisya God is also incomplete until Amalek gets destroyed. That's why the Pasuk says, Kiyad al Kis. Instead of saying Kise, it's only called Kis. Kis is missing in Aleph. Kiyad al Kis Ya. It's only Yud Ke. It's missing Vav Ke. So what letters are missing? The Aleph of Kise and the Vav Ke of Hashem's name. What does that spell? Iva. And that's what the Pasuk says in Tehrim, Ki Bahar Adonai B'Siyon, Iva L'Moshav Lo. That when God is going to choose Zion again to build the Beit HaMikdash, then Iva, the letters Aleph, Vav He, L'Moshav Lo, will be placed back into their areas, meaning Kiseh and Yudke Vavke. The Mephashim also bring down that what is going to bring back the Beit HaMikdash, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed because of Sinat Hinnam, because of baseless hatred. So once Kali Yisrael goes back to being uh, Be'ahava, so then already that brings the Beit HaMikdash back. And that's why the Pasuk says, Ve'ahavta l'ra'acha kamocha. And how does the Pasuk end? Ve'ahavta l'ra'acha kamocha, ani Adonai. Because then God says, now I will be Yudke Vavke. Once you're ready to have Aftarach Gamokha, then my name is not Yudke anymore. Now it's Ani Yudke Vavke. Based on this Gemara. Last point. Ba'amar bi Yinmiyah. Ben El Azar. Biyah Ben El Azar taught. Nitkalela Babel. Nitkalelu Shekheneha. It says when Babel was cursed. So, not only were they cursed, but all the neighbors were also cursed as well. Meaning all the surrounding uh, areas also got cursed at the downfall of Babel. However, the Gemara says, Nitkalela Shomeron. When Shomeron, which was the Jewish area where the tribes used to live, so the Gemara says, Nitbarechu Shecheneha. Its neighbors were blessed. And the Gemara proves it. Nitkalela Babel, when Babel became cursed, Nitkalelu Shecheneha, its neighbors also became cursed. Because the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, Vesamtiha lemorash kipod veagmemaim, which means the area of Babel became a place for kipod. What is kipod? Kipod is a type of a very um, 
very big bird that is very dangerous. It's a predatory bird. Just all the wild animals came in when the Bavir was destroyed. It brought all wild animals. And what do those wild animals do? They spread out to all the neighboring countries. When there's desolation, usually the wild animals set in. And therefore it brought a curse to all its neighboring places. However, when the Jews were exiled from Samaria, from Shomron, how do we know that? It says that Shomron was placed as a field of what? Which means even at the destruction of Shomron, it still was very fruitful and very beneficial to its neighbors. Which means that is the Sheva. When God punished the Goyim, it was a total curse. But when God punished Am Yisrael, still there was Beracha, even though... They were not there. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen.